Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Lee Hayes. Lee, welcome to Focus on Why. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. And where are you joining us from today? I am joining you from Connecticut on the east coast of the U.S., about a two-hour train ride from New York City. Fantastic. Well, welcome to, I would say England, but actually we're all over the world because this podcast is global. So welcome to wherever you're listening to from their, their particular destination. Why, do you, why don't you explain what it is you do and how long you've been doing that for, Lee? Well, what I'm doing now, and this has been a little bit of the infamous COVID pivot, right? We've all had to change a little bit is I'm helping people who own businesses to become speakers in order to promote their business. So really what I do is what I, I, I teach the essential but unsexy parts of the speaking business because speaking really, right, it's a business. A lot of people think it's just talking on stage. It's not, it's a business like any other small business. And is that where you distinguish sort of public speaking with professional speaking? I think there's so many different levels of speaking. There are people who are who are entertainers, right? That get on stage and they just they entertain. And then you run the whole gamut to people who teach. You know, you think of a, a professor at a university, they are public speakers, but very different than professional speakers, right? Um, and, and the biggest difference in my mind is a person who professionally speaks, but could be possibly a professor, is teaching material that is known by other people, right? If I'm a chemistry professor, I'm teaching material that is known to others and I'm just teaching my audience. But if I am a keynote speaker or a main stage speaker, in my mind, that means that they are teaching unique material or material that is being presented in a way that is unique to that individual speaker. And have you always worked in this area? (laughs) No. I spent many years of doing many different things and sort of fell into the speaking business. It was prompted by unemployment. So I worked for two decades in human resources, you know, taking care of everything in the big corporate arena with big international companies and national companies and um, became unemployed in a rather odd way and um, fell into the speaking business. And how did you adapt from running your own business from the corporate world? Oh my goodness, it is two, it is truly two different worlds. So the biggest difference to me is in the corporate world, and this is an expression, and, and this is what this was the key to me, the difference was I was in a meeting and someone said, Lee, we're going to take the decision. And I thought, one does not take decisions, one makes decisions. But in fact, in the world, in big corporate, 
people, individuals don't make decisions, right? You have to go up the chain of command. You need a committee. You need multiple meetings. You need to think about it for six months. And then somewhere at the end with reports and and suggestions and meetings, somewhere a decision eventually is sort of gelled together. And then that's the way the company goes. But as an entrepreneur, which I am now, and I'm sure many of your listeners are entrepreneurs, they make decisions, right? They get information that they need to look at and they formulate it and they make the decision. And whether it's brilliant or a disaster, it is theirs and they go. And I think to me, that is the big difference between corporate life and a life of an entrepreneur. And how do you find the difference? I love it. So one thing, I think every time I interviewed for another job, they said to me, what is the most important thing to you about this job? And the answer really was that I make an impact, that what I do makes a difference. And in many jobs, like I said, when you're in this and you're in a corporate environment, my last company, they had 80,000 people one person really doesn't make a lot of difference. You know, I could have disappeared off the face of the earth and it wouldn't have mattered. You're not impactful. When you are a small business, when you are running your own business or you're an entrepreneur, everything you do makes it makes a difference. Everything you decide has impact, whether good or whether bad. So I love that difference. I love being impactful. And I feel that now in my role, helping speakers get to the stage. I matter to them. I can help them in their business. And it, it goes down to that mo- that sort of feeling of fulfillment, that sense of belonging and, and understanding that you are making a difference to other people, whether that be on an individual basis or whether on a, a community or a local or, or a global basis, it does make a massive difference. And, and being aligned with your values, has that changed? You know, one thing that's really changed with my values is I have a value now, which basically is I own nice people only. If someone is truly unkind or not helpful in a, in a degrading sort of way, I simply won't work with them. And that's the same with both my speakers, people who I'm, I represent, as well as clients. If I have clients who treat a speaker poorly, I won't work with them again. And in the corporate world, when I was with other decision makers, when when I had to follow orders instead of making decisions, at least the companies I was with, the dollar decided who you worked with or the, you know, or the euro or the pound or, you know what I mean, around the world, the money made the difference. It made the decisions that if you were going to earn from that client, you had to do it. And if you were going to make money, like if that employee was productive, you had to keep them. And my values have changed quite a bit since then in that if a client might make me a lot of money, but if they are unkind or harmful to either me or the environment or to others, that money is not that important to me. I, it's more important for me to work with kindness than monetary gain. I love that you've built your values into your business. It's something that I work with a lot of people on. And it's just, for me, it's just a fundamental 
issue that a lot of people have that they don't actually identify their core values and take it into their business. With that in mind, why is it that you enjoy so much shining the light or the spotlight on others? You know, that's a really good question. I don't know. But for me, I just, I enjoy spotlighting others. I think there are introverts and extroverts, and I guess I'm an introvert. Um, I am an introvert. And I just find that other people's success bring me joy. I enjoy being the spotlight holder. And, you know, while I will do podcasts like this with you, because I, I hope I'm bringing value to others, you'll never find me on a main stage. I, it just doesn't interest me to be in the spotlight. I love shining it on others. It's um, it's a, bit, a little bit like giving a gift. I don't know. Do you ever, if you give a gift to someone, I enjoy so much if they enjoy the gift. You know, if, if I find something that really hits home, that brings me joy. And that's a little bit what holding the spotlight is like. So you present opportunity for one of your fabulous speakers to go on the stage. And then the fact that they delivered a fantastic keynote or a presentation, that client comes back to you and the gift is thank you so much. The, you know, the, the gift is thank you so much. But also the gift becomes if you did something right, right? Like you, you, you helped this client. Well, that's also how you build your business because they're happy with what you did for them. So really on a personal standpoint, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm bringing people happiness. I mean, my speakers are happy when they get off the stage and the client is happy when they get off the stage, but that's also part of my work value. So it also builds a positive relationship with the client. If the client is happy, they'll want to use my services again. So I think that's also why I don't have any speakers who are jerks, right? If I have a speaker who is upsetting to the client or does not deliver, not only does it upset the client at that moment, but you don't, I won't grow my business either because of course they will project that speaker behaving poorly on me, right? Lee, you, you brought us someone who was awful. So obviously I'm awful. And I had that happen in business once that I had a speaker who, ruined the business for me because his disappointment became my, uh, my, I don't know, not my legacy, but it was my fault. And so I think it, it's a value for me, but like you said, it's also a value for business. You help that client, the client is happy, your business grows. And you mentioned that you fell into it. What actually happened? <laughs> so it was a Sunday. I will never forget. I received a phone call from my boss. I was living in the States. She was living in Portugal. And she said, um, just so you know, you know, I'm, I'm local right now, surprise. And we need you to come into the office uh, this afternoon at 3 p.m. for an executive meeting. And I thought, huh, a three o'clock meeting on a Sunday that I need to come in for. That's unusual. It doesn't sound good. So I went, and in fact, the meeting was the corporate office from Indianapolis. It was my boss from Portugal, and it was for the home office from Germany. And they said, just to let you know, Lee, we are closing the division, and we need you to, ha to fire 272 people over the next two years as we close out. And when you're all done, um, you just need to go away, too. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, and that was that was the end of my HR career uh, as as I knew it. And as 
but I stayed, right? Because I was a loyal employee and I had a nice bonus at the end. Um, I slowly fired people over two years and I became very good at firing people in a kind way. But as it got down toward the end, I had nothing to do. And when I say nothing to do, I mean, I was disassembling shelving in the building because you're not planning for the future, right? You're just taking things apart. So I'm, I'm taking things apart and I'm throwing things in the dumpster. And, um, and my brother calls me, my brother is a well-known speaker. He's a well-known author. He's very popular. And he says to me, I just fired my agency. I had a problem with the agency. I need someone to take my calls, negotiate my contracts, write my contracts. He said, that's sort of what you do. You know, you're in human resources. You're a, you're a contract person. You deal with people quite a bit. Could you please just handle this for me for the next 12 weeks? And by then I'll have a new agency. Uh, you'll have found a new job and we'll just part and go our separate ways. That was half a decade ago. And uh, lo and behold, I am able to work with my brother. We work well together. Who knew? He's much younger than I am. Um, I mean, I'm more attractive, but he's still younger. And uh, we still work together. And not only that, but over the years, I have slowly taken on speakers. And I'm very picky about who I take on, but one at a time. So I work with maybe a dozen speakers now that I've gotten over the years. And I became a speaker manager. So I work with them, but, and, and that evolved as well, right? From not just managing speakers, but people calling me to say, you manage speakers, can you manage me? And usually the answer is not what they're really looking for. They're not looking for someone to manage them. They're looking for someone to help them grow. And that's where Path to the Main Stage came from, right? So it's been this, this evolution with a crazy start. That's fantastic. I, I, I'm still confused why they call you, called you in on a Sunday when it took two years for you to dismantle. Surely they could have waited another day and told you on the Monday. Well, the reason they called me on a Sunday was because they were going to announce company-wide on Monday morning. Fair enough. And I had to prepare. I had to call the police, right? We had to have police in the parking lot because some people lose their minds when they get fired. Um, I had to set up meetings with all these people because there were a group of people that were being immediately fired. So I had to have all their materials ready for them so that when I came in Monday morning, I could say, good morning, you're getting fired today. Here's your package. Good luck. You know, so all these things had to be prepared Sunday. And I had, and it wasn't just me. When I walked into that building and found out we were closing, there was an entire team there that had been assembled from the corporate office they needed me just because I was the one who was local and I knew everyone and I had to send out all the invitations, but there was actually an entire team of people there with all the paperwork and the legal and the everything to start just firing people the next day. So a little bit of a serendipitous moment for your brother to have conveniently needed your help at that time. <laughs> yes, indeed it was. And it's great that you work well together because I know not all brothers and sisters work well. So that's, that's great. Yes. Younger in childhood, it would have not worked out that well. <laughs> so you're helping clients and so you've got two, sort of two different arms. Obviously, you're managing people and you're helping others to evolve and emerging speakers, are they? Yes. Well, emerging speakers. And I say anyone who makes up to about 7,500 U.S., for speaking, I consider still emerging. You know, once you get into these big dollar people, they have their industries, they have their careers. But I help those individuals who are trying to get, you know, more, uh, uh, more gigs, get on stages more, to get in front of more audiences, to raise the price they get, but not just the price, because way too many speakers focus on price. 
I really help them bring up the value of each event that they go to. And what is it you work with? What is it you're, you're helping them do? Well, I really focus in the business world. So entrepreneurialism is really my target arena. And what I help them do is just is discover that speaking is not just getting on a stage. It's an entire business, right? Many speakers will come to me and they'll say, I have this wonderful keynote. It's all written. Uh, you know, I took training. I know when to breathe on stage. I know when to walk forward and backward. And I'll say, yes. Um, are you incorporated? How are you getting paid? How, you know, are you set up that you're, you're getting your taxes done? Are you making a profit when you do this? Do you have a contract written? Because when you speak professionally and you earn money, you really should have a written contract um, that you make sure that everything you've agreed on is there. And, and you know, how, do you, how are you negotiating? How, what price have you decided on? What is your fee? What's the extra value? Um, what does your website look like? Is it perfect? You know, there's so many pieces to business. It's not just the stage. It's all that takes for you to get there. And it's running a business as well. You know, like I said, so many speakers just focus on the fee, the fee, the fee. When in fact, the fee is such a small part of the business. You know, if you, if you are a business owner, which is really my target market is people who own business who are speaking to build their business you really need to consider the value of every time you go on stage. Is this the right audience? Will I get any, will I get a news coverage? Will I get a story out of this? Will I get video out of this? Will I get a referral out of this? You know, so while many speakers just say, well, I want to make 5,000. 5,000 is such a small part of the, of the big picture. So what I really help speakers do is see the big picture, see the whole uh, the whole scenario speaking and not just that 60 minutes on the stage. And how has the speaking business been for you this year? Wow. It has been a wild roller coaster, um, crazy. So my, my business was really ramping this year. I started the new year with a book of speakers going on stages. And when COVID hit, I think my first one, BMW, was the first one to cancel, and they had four speakers there. And it wasn't even, it was just starting, right? This whole mess was just starting, and they said, we think we need to cancel. I went, right, what? Why are you canceling? I understand there's this COVID thing out there. I don't really understand it yet. Um, why would you cancel your event? And they said, mm, we just think we, it's not going to work. And I think within a week, all the announcements came out, right, that COVID is, is spreading person to person and through the air in large groups it just exploded in the news. Um, and I think the US was a little bit behind the eight ball on the whole thing anyway, that we didn't react as quickly as we should, or we didn't know as quickly as we should. Anyway, but it, it just, it exploded then that, oh my goodness, we have to cancel everything. And so cancellations really came in two waves. I had this great book of work. The first thing was the panic, right? That everyone just starts just canceling. Um, and then after maybe a month, then people said, okay, we don't need to just cancel. We can postpone or we can go virtual. So a lot of events were pushed to the, the autumn and the winter, you know, November, December, January. Um, and then the, the, the smaller groups actually at first were the ones who said, we need to adapt. And I think it's easier to adapt when you're smaller. So the smaller events said, we're going we're gonna to go virtual. We're going to make it Zoom. We're going to have small, you know, we're going to change. 
and I started getting my, the business sort of started picking up a little bit again from that aspect that people were willing to change, were willing to do Zoom. Um, so that has come back up. And the things I've noticed is fees are smaller because um, speakers have not fully adapted yet. And right now, a lot of speaking is, is like what we're doing, which is over Zoom. It's what I call a talking head, right? Where you don't see much of a person. And, and speakers are now learning and adapting, some of them, where they are setting up studios. So really what they're doing is you're now seeing them as if they're on TV, where you they're standing up and they're walking around as if they're on a stage. Um, so you're getting a much higher quality of, of, of talk, not because of the words they're saying, but because you're getting body language too, which you lose on, on your talking head, um, that they can have props again and, and movement again. Um, but so fees have gone down. And now the, the second wave that's happening now, it just started a few, a few weeks ago, was all those events that had postponed, hoping that in October, November, December, they could have a large event, are canceling. Um, I'm actually booking now into 2022 already because there are some events that have said, we're not even going to try until 2022. They've just shut it down. So there's been a big change to the industry, a big change for speakers. And some speakers are not adapting. And the ones who aren't, I think, are going to lose their business. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, seeing the, the, the sort of two different camps of those that are sort of panicking and just cancelling from, from the client perspective. And then also from the speaking perspective, it's like, actually, how can I evolve what I'm doing, my, evolve my business into a hybrid audience? And I think those that have really embraced the virtual, this is how I can deliver and you can get value from. That's where they, you know, they're really are sort of hitting the mark. They're doing really well in, in that environment. And that's what it is about, isn't it? It's evolving and changing, especially in, in all industries, especially in the speaking industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's every industry, but in but I'm still watching people and listening to people who say, no, no, this this video, this isn't really what I like to do. I'm going to wait. And they can, but they're going to restart their career once they get back on stages again. It's they're going to really fall behind. I agree. I, th I think it is. It, you've got to you've got to focus on the how you can add value consistently, not just then or when. It's it's a, as a now. Focus on how you can help people now because people do need help now. They do. Oh, they do. And and audiences need help. And I keep reminding clients of that. That some clients who've said, "Oh, we don't think our audience would like virtual. We're just going to wait. We're going to wait it out." Well, your competitor's not waiting it out your competitor is doing something virtually. And if you don't, you're going to be left behind. Your people are going to go over there. And the same thing with speaking. If they just wait it out, um, you, you have to evolve all the time. So what are you doing with the path to the main stage at the moment? So path to the main stage is going to continue to grow. What it is right now is a whole lot of me. So path to the main stage is an online program that allows speakers to learn about the whole business. It's a lot of videos um, where I talk about different components of the business, um, how to negotiate a contract, you know, how to prepare for the call, how to negotiate, how to write a contract, the importance of what's important on your website. I go through different aspects of the website, you know, just all these different components. I think I have a, do a dozen different areas that I hit on which explain 
the unsexy but essential part of speaking. What I don't really talk about is you know, how to breathe on stage, how to project your voice. There are plenty of speakers who teach that. And while that's important, that's not the business, that's the performance part of speaking. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then also Path to the Main Stage provides resources, templates, worksheets, things that a speaker can, can take and, and say, oh, this is what my, my one sheet should look like. You know, I can just copy this or, you know, different things like that. Um, here's, a, here's a checklist that before I get on a phone call with a client, these are the five points I should really think about. These are the things I should prepare. So I think it really, it really helps people think holistically about their business to, to in order to grow it. So that's the first thing. Plus, of course, I do have uh, monthly calls where people can ask individual questions and we can all, they can all learn from each other. So how much actual speaking do you do? I don't speak. I am not a speaker. I do podcasts. I'm happy to do that. I will do a webinar to teach. I consider myself a teacher, right? It's, it's, I like to teach people, but I'm not a performer. And the speakers, I think speakers who are really good on the main stage, they not only teach, they also entertain. So I don't, I don't consider myself a speaker at all. I'm not a professionally trained speaker. I just, I teach, I share. An educator. Yes, I'm an educator. <laughs> and I guess all of the background that you had in human resources of just being a fantastic communicator. Being in human resources has really helped me be a listener because in human resources, you hear things that you cannot imagine and you deal with things you cannot imagine, just all parts of the human condition. And it's, it's taught me to listen to people and look for solutions, sometimes where there are none. Uh, just a quick example, I was once in my office and a, a woman comes in and I knew it was her 30th birthday that, you know, that week. So I said, oh, happy birthday, how great. And she says, yes, um, I just found out I'm pregnant. Oh my goodness, you're 30, it's your first baby, that's wonderful. She said, and I also found out I have 18 months to live. So those are the type of things you came, it turns out she had Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And in fact, she, she lived more, she lived, I think, two years and had a baby in the meantime. But that's as a human resource person, people would come in and you don't have an answer for that. So you, you just say, just talk to me and I'm going to listen and we're going to work together. And that's all I can do. So I try to listen to my speakers and hear what they're trying to accomplish and try to guide them there. Wow, you give me goosebumps. It just goes to show how fragile lives are, you know, and that you never know really what's coming around the corner, whether it's your brother asking you to come and work for you or whether, it, you know, that you do have a, a life-threatening disease. But essentially, what you, you're showing me is that you actually really love doing what you're doing. I do love it. Absolutely. And it took me half, you know, half a lifetime to discover what I love. But you know, I thought corporate life was just what life was. And I didn't, can't say I disliked it. I just didn't love it. It was, it was work. You went and you went home and being an entrepreneur, helping people, guiding people to succeed in, in their own businesses and speaking and growth. I, you're right. I am passionate about it. I absolutely enjoy it. Um, which is why I often, you know, yesterday I got a phone call, somebody connected with me on LinkedIn and said, 
can I just ask you questions? He was a complete stranger. I said, sure, let's, let's talk, you know, and for half an hour, I just listened to him and I said, well, here's some guidance, here are some thoughts for you. And I, I hope it helped him and we'll probably never cross paths again, but I, I enjoy doing that as part of the passion. Absolutely. And can you explain, you, you explained the difference of being in corporate to, to being an entrepreneur and having your own business. Can you also explain the transition or the ability to, as you have, pivot as a midlife beginner? Wow, I think it takes, it, it takes a little bit of courage and a little bit of craziness to, because not only is the difference the way you think between corporate life and entrepreneurial life, but it's a risk because in a corporate life, I mean, you never know, but for the most part, you have this regular paycheck, right? You know exactly what your pay will be this week and next week. You have benefits, you have health insurance, and it's all a very regular thing. Now, granted, you can get laid off like, you know, or fired, which happened to the rest of my, my corporate crew. But even then you were able to plan. I knew I'd be there two years. I knew exactly how much money I would make. I knew what my end date was. It was all very sterile, right? That it was just a certain way. As an entrepreneur, it's, you're, you're taking risks every day because you don't know. You might have a terrifically successful day and land a big contract and make a lot of money and then nothing for the next three weeks. So it's, Again, it's that roller coaster, it's the highs and lows, which many people I think um, would shy away from. I mean, I have friends who think I'm insane. They would never be entrepreneurs. They, they like their nine to five and their paycheck. But then other people just love, it's, it's a little bit of, of risk-taking. It's like people who love to you know, canoe down rapids or something. Um, you're taking a risk, but the risk is a little bit part of the excitement. It's a part of what makes it interesting and, and exhilarating. I guess it comes back to your values because if, if you are aligning what you're doing with your, with your values and for you, if adventure or, or passion are high up and then you are taking those risks, you know that those risks are worth the, the offset balance because you're actually meeting your values. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's just where do the values fall? Like I said, money is not at the top of my values, earning money. Um, I absolutely like to earn enough to be comfortable. I don't need a yacht. You know, I don't need a bigger house. I, those things are not necessary. Uh, so yeah, so my values are helping others, loving what I do, being passionate, taking chances, you know, we can also mitigate some of that, right? So I'm not, I mean, I'm not crazy. I'm, I don't go whitewater rafting because <laughs> um, you try to mitigate some of that because I have, you know, I have paths to the main stage where I help emerging speakers, but then I also have established speakers that I support in their businesses. So I think just by, the, by having different aspects of the business at the same time, it also mitigates the risks a little bit. It's like being in a stock market, right? You, you, you buy pieces of companies and if you only have one, if that company succeeds, you succeed. If it fails, you fail. But if you have many funds, it, they mitigate the risk a little bit. Absolutely. You've got a diversified portfolio 
Yes. Yeah, I know. I, I totally understand that. Had there been some funny stories or some crazy events that you could share that you've you've had in, in this half a decade of, of speaking events? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, I, I mean, oh goodness. Okay, so my my brother. We'll talk about him because he's one of the crazy ones. Um, he had, he's in also in the greater New York area and he had to go to Chicago, which is two hours by plane or 14 hours by car or everything in between. And he, um, he needed to go for an event and he's very careful. He'll always go, you know, the day before so that if a flight is canceled, he has a backup flight, but he started to leave to go and he had you know like I said he was leaving the afternoon the day before the event uh they closed the airport due to weather conditions and it turns out they didn't just close his airport but they closed all the New York airports so nothing was coming or going and it wasn't like he could you know quickly just drive to another airport or he goes I have to get there so he go I think he starts he rents a car and just starts driving so he's driving across the state of Pennsylvania, which is, if you've ever driven in a really, really boring straight line, that is the state of Pennsylvania. It just goes for hours and hours and hours in a straight line. So he's driving and driving and driving, and now we're getting to 11 o'clock at night, and I call the client to let them know what's going on. I said, I know he's need, he needs to be on your stage at 8 a.m., and we're going on midnight. He's driving. We're trying. So the, pl- the client tries to find a private plane for him. We're trying to intersect now in the middle of the country where he can drive to an airport and take a plane, have a private plane, take him to Chicago. That's not working. So, and so I start calling around. I find, he's like, I'm getting tired, but I'm still driving. I find a limousine company. And I said, can you pick this guy up at an airport at one o'clock in the morning? He'll get, he'll get his car there. He'll drop the car off. And then you need to drive him to Chicago overnight because he needs to sleep in the car so he can get on stage at 8 a.m. Uh, and that's what happened. <laughs> we, so we got him in the limo. And, and the funny thing is, he goes, I really didn't get much sleep because the guy kept talking to me. He's like, I need to sleep. But he did. He, he arrived, I think, at 5 a.m. He slept for you know 90 minutes and he got up and he went on stage and delivered a keynote. But but that's what you do when you're speaking as your business and when you're an entrepreneur. And, and that's why my phone, I sleep with my phone next to my bed because that is not the only time that a speaker has called me at midnight and said, I have a problem. You need to help me. <laughs> wow. And can you share who your brother is or would you rather not say? Well, as a sister, I'd rather not say because I don't want to get him <laughs> a big head. But as a professional, his name is Mike Michalowicz. He is the author of Profit First, Clockwork, Fix This Next. He's an international speaker. He is kind of amazing. Began as a speaker. I don't want to, you know, let's not get his ego up. But uh, but he has sold, I don't know, I think just Profit First sold half a million copies, which in the business world is huge, right? If you sell 5,000 copies in the business world, that's a good sale. He sold 500,000 copies around the world and it just keeps rolling. So it's a good system. It works. It's, it's incredible. So it's no, it's no surprise to me that it, it sold so well. Oh yeah. And it, and it continues to sell well. And the, the book came out years and years ago and it's still his number one keynote yeah. is, is profit first because it saves entrepreneurs. It really does. 
And what about a, a sort of success story of somebody who you took on under your wing and is now an absolute fantastic speaker? One person who he's just amazing and he's just so much fun is Jesse Cole. Jesse Cole is the owner of a university level college league baseball team. So it's not in the university, but they have a summer league and they play U.S. You know, baseball. And when he first started that business, you know, first he had to get the business going. The business was practically bankrupt when he first took it. He had a stadium. He bought a stadium with 4,000 seats in it. And he only found out after the fact that he had, I think, 256 tickets sold. That was it. So he mortgaged his house. He took out every loan he could take out. And he started to rebuild the business. And this is actually a good um, story for all business owners. He changed the way he looked at his business. Um, he, he bought a baseball team thinking that people go there to watch baseball. Uh, baseball is an incredibly boring sport. It, it's mind-bogglingly boring unless you really understand, you know, the numbers and the, I, it's, it's mind-boggling. It takes, you know, one game can take three to four hours of a guy just sitting there. It's, it's sorry, American baseball is boring. But he discovered this, that in fact, especially at a college league, nobody cares about the game. They go there because they want to spend time with their family, because they want to be entertained. They want somewhere they can take children. That's a fun environment. So he completely changed his outlook and he changed the boring game of baseball into a circus where a baseball game breaks out, right? So between every inning, there's an activity audiences get involved. There are themes and they are the Savannah bananas. And so everything is banana themed. And since he did that, he has been on national TV. He's written a book and he became a speaker. So when I met him, he was, if he was making $500 speaking, like that was good that somebody was actually paying him. All of his speaking was in Savannah. And he started, and this is only a couple of years ago, um, but as he got on stages, oh, and he wears a yellow tuxedo all the time. Yeah, I mean, we're talking bright yellow, top hat, full tux, yellow, yellow shoes, because he has, he's a Savannah banana. And at first, when people saw that, they thought he was crazy. They're like, this is just, it's just lunatic. But then they discovered the marketing behind it that the theme of being a banana and the Savannah bananas and people started seeing this, that it became an, you know, an icon for him. If anybody looks on LinkedIn, look Jesse Cole, Savannah bananas, LinkedIn. He's a brilliant, brilliant marketer. He creates, he, he creates excitement for customers. Like he, he finds what a customer actually wants and brings it to them and is wildly successful. Now he has a waiting list for his stadium. Now his stadium is full when there's no COVID absolutely all the time. So he teaches business to do this now. And he went from being a $500 speaker when he was just sort of trying to figure it out three years ago. And now he consistently gets $15,000 on stage in, within two and a half to three years, which is unheard of. Speakers don't usually move like that unless you know they survived a plane crash or something. Um, he did it purely on enthusiasm and brilliant marketing and standing out and being different. So speakers need to do that, right? If you are a speaker like everyone else, like, yes, I talk about advertising on Facebook. Okay, well, make that different. Be exciting, be outstanding. 
So Jesse Cole now gets referral after referral. He's exciting on stage. He's fun on stage. And his rates just keep going through the roof because his demand keeps going through the roof really quickly. It sounds like a perfect example of when you focus on what the world needs as opposed to what you need. Yes. Great. Well, I mean, it's just, it's great to see the passion behind what you're doing. I love it, Lee. It's just, it's fabulous to see how... You've, you've sort of really embraced this whole new world and it is a fantastic world. It is an incredible world with speakers and, and especially the different variety that you can get on a stage. Oh, goodness. I Yes, I have such a variety of people. You know, if you would like to, would you like to hear about an interesting person, another just interesting person? I would love to. Thank you. Okay. So one of my speakers who I work with, his name is Andre Norman. Uh, he is a reformed criminal. And when I say criminal, I mean, he was in the federal penitentiary, maximum security. He had a hundred year sentence for all these bad things that he did. And one day when he was in solitary confinement, um, because he was that bad, he couldn't even be put around other prisoners. He said, I had an epiphany. I suddenly went, why am I trying to be the, the baddest, meanest guy in prison I'm a smart guy. Like I'm trying to be the top of the prison group. I could actually be the top of the world. And he taught him in solitary confinement, taught himself to read and write, taught himself math, learned the law, got his conviction overturned. And his goal was to go to Harvard University. And he is now a Harvard fellow. And now he speaks on the speaking circuit about changing your life. You know, your, your life is not determined for you. You determine your life. And so he is just this amazing human being who went from, you know, childhood of being in gangs and, and drugs and bad to being someone who is a pillar of his community and gives back and inspires and helps. And so anything is possible. I think that with the, with this, fantastic story you just shared is that as you say anything is possible and that that he will not know the ripple effect that he will have because he will be speaking to a group of people and he may never know who in that moment listens and then changes their entire life yeah, no you're absolutely right and I think and in his case that's an extreme case right but I think anyone can have that impact you never know when you share something about yourself or your knowledge or whatever that might be, how you might impact one person. Yeah, that's so true, especially when you, you think it's something that you take for granted because it's something that you've in, sort of taken into your life and you've, you've, you just live that way because you know that that works for you. And then if you share that on, on a stage or even just on a podcast like this, somebody might say, wow, I didn't know that that could be done. I didn't know that, that was how it could happen or I didn't know that you could just do this. And then that's their epiphany. Yeah, you touch a life that you never even know. I mean, I'm sure like your podcast, you touch people all over the world and I'm sure you have no idea about these people who've listened to you, who've learned so much and you'll never meet them or see them or know them, but you've impacted them. Yeah, it it, it does. it does kind of not freak me out because I, I think it's an incredible 
incredible thing but it, it is I mean I get lots of messages from people saying what impact I've made and I know that for every one that I get there's going to be several others because it actually takes quite a lot to reach out and for other people they're just busy doing they're busy changing or they may not be changing and at another point another podcast another episode will be but the ripple effect of listening to this they may then connect with that other person who was on the show and then start listening to them and there's lots of sort of chains of events that are happening which are crazy I know that within the community of the podcast people are now connecting that would never have even met because their spheres of life are so different but then now they're meeting and they're, they're collaborating and they've created separate things or gone on different journeys so absolutely it is a really empowering world to be in it is. And you're right. It's a ripple effect. Each one of us touches so many other people and we never even know. And as you say earlier, you don't need to be on that stage to make that impact. No, no, you're right. You don't have to be the person at the front of the room or the top of the company or on the stage. Anyone can be impactful. Wow. Well, that's a great way to sort of edge towards finishing the episode. <laughs> it's a great message. Anyone can be impactful. Lee, it's been amazing having you on today. Thank you so much for your time and sharing with us what it is you do and why you do it. How would people reach out to you for that chat that you mentioned that you had with someone the other day? Um, well, they can either go to the website, pathtothemainstage.com, and there is, you know, ways to access, to, to get in touch with me there or to sign up for my, my email where I do send out tips to speakers every week, or my personal email is sid, S-I-D, at goleeward, it's G-O-L-E-E-W-A-R-D.com. Well, I will put all of those links into the show notes and I will be subscribing to your speaker tips this afternoon because I'd like to get onto that list. Thank you very much. Again, thank you, Lee. Final word for the audience, please. The final word, I think, is that so much that we do is based on touching other people. So if you weren't sure if you should or not, you should get out there and you should speak and share. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.